All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about the Cannes Can Film Festival. Are you gonna? Okay. Don't you think that this is one of the best lineups in in recent history? Absolutely, and I'm delighted, and I'm um, and I'm just thinking, boy, this is a handful. It's going to be like much more work than I'm. That well, it's always hard work, but it's going to be a lot of work to keep up because uh-huh. it's not just the uh, twenty. I figure there's absolutely. I mean, I I started to cut out things from the the titles from the competition that I felt come on let's be really rough I mean only go with known things and that's a bad attitude you shouldn't go with only known people <laughs> it is a bad open. attitude but when you have to separate you know when you yeah. have to like weed out you, you can't see so many movies all at once you have to yeah. you know I, I always try to do what you advised me to do which was try to see all the competition films first yeah yeah but you gotta see bling ring you gotta see the yeah, I'd like to definitely see the um, uh, the James Toback film, uh, Seduced and Abandoned, which I think yeah. is going to be a lot of fun. I, I I never even saw Fruitvale Station, and that's going to be there. Got to see there's, that, uh, yeah. You there's know, so many of them. Uh, J.C. Shandor's uh, Robert Redford, Old Man in the Sea movie, All is Lost. I mean, that's all these things that you really, uh, the Congress, the Ari Fulman thing, that's going to be good. I know. I know. It's it's usually like one page of the festival has a really good lineup, and the rest of it is kind of like, they're good, they're kind of obscure, you don't know what they are, but this year it's like every page you turn is another mm-hmm. lineup of even the old classics, even the classics in the cinema on the on the beach. Those yeah. are great, yeah. too, you know? They're playing yeah. Jaws and the Bird. Well, no, I think the Birds and Vertigo are in the classics, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and plus the 3D Last Emperor. That I'm not saying I'm going to sit through the entire Last Emperor, but I'd really like to see how good that looks if yeah, if, it is, if it does look good, you know. And what about Cleopatra? <laughs> it's like there's too much. There's no way to get it all to fit it all in. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I'd love to see the Cleopatra thing. I think it's partnered with some kind of weird party that they're having. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then there's another party for Hunger Games two, the second Hunger Games. I got an invite to that. Yeah, I got invited to, to that also. Yes, I don't know. If There's I'll also make it. a thing for Scorsese. He's going to have a party for uh, uh, Silence, the film that he's going to make, the Japanese film. Yeah, so. I didn't get that invite, unfortunately. Oh well. Uh, well, I, I have uh, when those that I do not get, I just find out who it is that's sending them out, and I ask if I could please attend. I'd be delighted to, you right. know, honored and delighted and so on. So Yeah, I'm not going to push it because I don't know how I'm going to fit in on everything here anyway. Like you were saying in your column, I don't know if it's even, you know, you might have to, like, not go to parties because there's too many too many great films. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I would go to, I'd go to a party to, if possible, take pictures. And uh, and to get a little atmosphere, which I like to put into the column, and I, and secondly, uh, I always go for the free food, right? And right. then and then uh, you know stay forty five minutes and go home. So, yeah, no, that's good. And you're staying in the same place with Anne. Same place with Anne. Yes. Great, great. And that's and that's all prepaid, and I don't have to worry about that. And uh, our gathering is still, is as usual, set for Tuesday evening. Are you going to be in time? Are you going to be late? Or what's the deal? Uh, flying in on the 14th. Yeah. Um, actually leaving tomorrow and flying overnight to Zurich and then from Zurich to Nice. Mm-hmm. And it says we're getting in around 6 to the airport. Um, Crack of dawn, you mean? 
No, no. Late six. Evening. Oh, so you're not going to make the thing. Probably not. We have to take the shuttle in, then we have to find our, our different... We're both staying in two different apartments, and then... Wait a minute, who's we? Craig, you know, Craig's going. Oh, sure, that's right, that's right, that's right, okay. Yeah, but he's he's taking... We're both taking somehow are on the same flight, but we're staying in two Wait different... Wait you're, you're going overnight to Zurich. Now, that will get you in sometime in the early hours. Why aren't you getting into Nice until 6 p.m.? I'm not sure. I mean, we don't have any long layovers or anything. We're leaving it late from L.A., though, 7 o'clock at night. Right. And then we're taking an overnight to Zurich, and then sometime, I guess, in the morning or whatever, we, uh, hmm. you know. So well, It sounds like so you would at least be at, in Zurich by noon, and then unless you're sitting in a lounge for five, four or five hours, you would it wouldn't take that long to get to Nice. You know what you should do, Sasha, if you can? Just try. Well, actually, your luggage is being passed along, so maybe not. But it's, uh, you should, it sounds like you're being, you're going to have to sit there, sit in Zurich for a long time, wait for the flight, because you shouldn't be in at 6 p.m. That's a long, tough flight. Seems like it, doesn't it? Whatever it is, I will have done it wrong, because I never do this can thing right. Even when I think I'm doing it right, I definitely always do it wrong. (laughs) So there'll be somewhere along the line, there'll be some big surprise that I didn't count on. (laughs) But if you, let's say you wanted to, you had your flight back, you know, on a certain day, and you wanted to stay longer, but you didn't want to pay the extra money to change your flight. Like, it costs $200 or whatever to change your flight. Um, plus whatever mm-hmm. difference in ticket price. Yeah. So if you wanted to do that, could you miss your flight flight deliberately and then go standby? Are you talking about the last leg of it, or yeah. which which one? Well, like no, you could certainly go standby to Nice if you wanted to get there sooner. But there's the problem of the luggage, and they are probably you know have it tagged for. So you might yourself might get in early, but then you're stuck without the luggage. Okay, so here's how it is. 7.35 leaves LAX, arrives Zurich, um, 3.45 p.m., leaves Zurich, 5 p.m., arrives Nice, 6 p.m. So how does it go uh-huh. from L.A., 7 p.m., all the way to 3.45 in Zurich? That's a long, seems like a that really long... That sound right. That sounds really... Boy, that sounds brutal, man. Oh, wow. no, it really does. Um, anyway, no, the, the, and the way back is as 10.40 a.m., um, leaving Nice and then hitting Zurich huh. at 1 and then hitting L.A. at 4. But, okay. like, if Craig wanted to stay, let's say he wanted to stay the last weekend because I'm leaving on the 24th, but he, mm-hmm. he wants – and his flight comes back the 24th. But let's say, mm-hmm. for example, that he wanted to stay for the weekend. Could he just deliberately miss his flight and then try to fly standby? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't you imagine with everybody leaving at the same time that it would be rough on standby? And um, I would just try and, uh, I mean, in other words, don't pay the fee that he would incur if he wanted to stay later, but just uh, chance it. And uh, it seems to me you'd have to tell them or you'd have to work something out. I I don't know how that would work. I I wouldn't want him to uh, be uh, left without the value of his ticket, which he's already paid for, you know. Right, right. So is it better to just then call and make an arrangement on the airline and just pay the fee if you want to change? Sounds like you have to pay something if you're going to go later. Why? Why wouldn't it, he's now thinking he wants to stay later so that he can see more? And he did not uh, consider that before, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. He was okay. he was thinking he might not want to stay, but then when he saw the screening schedule, he wants to stay to see Jim Jarmusch movie, and right. there's mm-hmm. another one too. The, the, there are two really good movies on closing weekend, and 
He doesn't right. want to miss those. And since his his lodging is paid. Yeah, yeah. That's the only one I might miss is the Jarmish, and I'm going to try, as usual, to see if I can find a market screening, uh, which sometimes they'll have for buyers, and maybe I can get into that. But that's the only one, because I learned my my lesson last year, leaving on Friday. I, I missed a couple, and I don't want to uh, miss mud, for one. Right. And I don't want to have that happen again. So So what? when are you leaving? <clears throat> I am leaving uh tuesday morning and um i will be there at uh, two or three o'clock in the afternoon and then when are you heading home to la are, where are you going after can <clears throat> going back up to paris and staying there for a month oh that's paris right 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 and yeah. and when are you leaving for paris on the 25th uh yes uh, that is saturday yes i'm leaving on saturday afternoon for paris wow you're yeah. gone a long yeah. time well, there's a friend who's renting a place in Paris, and it's pretty much, I can, don't have to spend tons of money over there. It's the same deal. I get on the screening list. I can uh, buy groceries and buy tangerines and all that, all, all that good stuff. You know, the, the uh, I, I swear, Sasha, it's really something, but I've gotten into this pattern of hardly, uh, of almost doing a, uh, well, that's not, I don't want to exaggerate, but almost doing a uh, kind of a, a strict Zen diet thing. I'm really like you know, um, I don't eat anything bad ever at all, and I can't eat anything bad. I can I eat small portions, and I'm and it's really feeling wonderful. So I don't really eat a lot of food these days, and I feel good, and I do a lot of um, walking, and it just feels great. Mm, so anyway, so I'm not I don't intend to be like going to restaurants and blowing money on meals. So. Right, right, right. And what are you guys going to do when you're there? Just wander around Paris and see Paris mostly? Or are you going to travel outside of Paris at all? Or A little outside of Paris. I could I could tell you a whole thing about Prague, but I'll I'll save it when I, from when I see him. Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna, um, going to... We're going to go to Prague for four days, and uh, I'm going to go see my... Um, well, that guy that I saw last year. Mm-hmm. I won't get into that. Um, and, uh, you know, just because uh, it's beautiful there, and uh, she's never been. so. Oh, it sounds wonderful just to hang out there. I think next year I'm going to try to rent a, rent a place and do the, basically the same thing as she's doing, but in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be lovely, yeah. Yeah. So, mm. anyway, what movies are you most looking forward to? Would you say can? Yeah, this is this is where the podcast really starts, right? Because we yeah. haven't talked for a while, so we've been chatting in a way that we always <laughs> chat. But here we are, really talking. About I know. Is this a wait? This is a podcast. Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Here's how I have it laid out. Let's just go. Here's I, I boiled it down. Please tell me if you think I'm missing something. But here are. I don't know if you have a list in front of you. Here are the competition films. I already wrote it out, but basically, uh, <clears throat> with, I feel you have to see the following. Definitely uh, Nicholas uh, Winding Refn's Only God for Gives, but I'm afraid of that. Uh, really afraid of that from what I uh, what Terry uh, um, no. uh, from said about it. It's not. Uh, it's going to be a, a pretty, um, pretty, pretty brutal, uh, violent movie. But let's let's see what it is. But what, um, what did didn't we hear from people who've already seen that movie? Or am I getting that mixed up with something? Else? Oh no, please! I didn't hear a thing. No, did I didn't hear? either. I, I think I got it confused with the other Ryan Gosling movie that people saw in Sundance. They had nobody's seen Only God Forgives yet right not that i know of or heard of but okay. who knows uh, you know. 
But it's uh, it, it, Tevis Rameau has decided has dis, uh, <coughs> you know described it as a as a, not a uh, <coughs> not drive two at all. It's something else, a lot more extreme. Um, Wow. Okay. She'll see, and definitely Paolo Sorrentino's uh, uh, Le Gran Bellaza. I don't know what it is, but Sorrentino is a, is a necessary, uh, you know, ingredient. You got you can't overlook him. You can't bypass him. Right. Uh, definitely the Jarmish, uh, but I might not be there in time to see it. And you are going to be leaving a day early. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> definitely the Soderbergh, although that's um, you know, of course HBO. That's not as much of a, but it'll be the first time anybody's seeing it. And I think you have to obviously go to it. Right. I don't know anything about the um, Venus and Fur other than it is a real movie, the Polanski movie, and that makes it major in itself, right? Yeah. Uh, um, absolutely, Alexander Payne's Nebraska. Um, uh, I haven't been paying attention to Francois Ozon in the last uh, three, four years, two, three, but this sounds pretty good, Young and Beautiful, mm-hmm. so um, I'm... Um, and then the James Gray, of course, um, uh, The Immigrant, uh, which has had a couple, at least one other title, but now it's called The Immigrant. Uh, and naturally, uh, Oscar Farhadi's The Pass, the, uh, the new film from the director of, um, of uh, The um, uh, Separation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Arnaud de Blesha, uh, Jimmy P, with yeah. uh, 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 Benicio. And, uh, of course, Joel and Ethan Cohen inside Lou and Davis. So that's a total of 13. So. Wow. Oh, no, if you, if you count, uh, excuse me, if you count Great Gatsby as 13. But I, and I am the last human being on the planet Earth who's going to see Great Gatsby along with, the, <laughs> I guess, the Europe. But everybody has, I mean, it's so over as a subject, right? I mean, it's... I don't know. I'm waiting to see it in Cannes, too. I just couldn't bring myself to see it here. I couldn't do it. Okay. All right. It just seemed, I'm dreading it. But I think if I go to the see it in can in the big theater with that audience it might be fun i don't know mm-hmm. but. but the conversation is certainly over i mean there, there was like you know there's been three phases the new phase is that it's the critics don't matter a damn people go to what they want to see mm-hmm. and it's doing pretty well and it's obviously it's it's caught on with i guess what uh, women in their 20s and 30s right 40s well it's it's leo you know he's got a huge following um obviously everywhere but i mean my my daughter tells me about you know the the tumblr obsession with all the teenagers hang out on tumblr now they're not on facebook they're not anywhere else they're on tumblr and on tumblr leo is huge so i imagine it's leonardo all they're, they're reacting to leonardo dicaprio in a love story Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would think that the, the majority is, are, you know, are female. But what do I know? Okay. They, they don't seem to drive the box office out that much. I mean, there has to be a, a share of, of male demographic in there. <clears throat> when I hear the word Tumblr, I naturally think of photos, don't I? Tumblr. Tumblr is like, you know, it was one of those sites. I never thought it was really going to take off. It seemed like it was going to be a another Foursquare, one of these that are just kind of uh-huh. fringe sites. But... Right. It has taken off because it represents a world where, um, for teenagers, it's a place where parents can't find them and spy on them. Uh, (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) It's true. Facebook is, like, too transparent. Everybody knows what's going on on Facebook, and and teens don't feel free on there. But they feel Mm -hmm. free on Tumblr because you can't, like, if I wanted to find my daughter's Tumblr page, Mm -hmm. I couldn't search by her name and find her. 
You have to know the name. And there's this, it's this whole world of this younger generation on Tumblr. It's very bizarre, but mm-hmm. I actually like it. It is very image-based. It's mostly images, you know, that just get reblogged and reblogged all throughout Tumblr. And it has a really lovely collection of images of almost every person you could imagine. Um, and they're pretty civil. They're very much into, like, social justice. It's not really a trashy place because the users are so conscientious. Mm-hmm. And it's not as trashy as you'd think it would be. But um, anyway, Leo is huge. So I imagine that, that that's what's driving it. But And they do a lot of marketing. I was surprised even still at the box office, though, because I, I was under the impression that the word of mouth was bad and that, that was going to kill it. You know? But it didn't seem to. It just, it it's making the a lot of money. The word of mouth was pretty negative. It was like, uh, had a, what, uh, 55% on Metacritic, 40%. That's pretty bad. That's, you know, there's not a lot of difference between that and having a 20% rating. So, so Brooks right? Barnes at the New York Times wrote a tweet that said that, that he thought that he, that this is a signal that critics are now completely irrelevant. <laughs> and this proves it. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, that's that. And, and you know, they're just dropping left and right. Like um, uh, Christy Lemire and, and David Germain are no longer working at the AP. Yeah. Um, they're just, I mean, it's crazy what's happening. I couldn't believe it when I turned on Metacritic and I saw Guy Lodge and Neil Young as critic, major critics for The Hollywood Reporter and mm-hmm. Variety. I mean, these guys were like, you know, people on the on my forums 10 years ago. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be there. They're not good writers. They are. But um, but it's just wild to see that kind of shift in power. So what are we doing? We're conversation starters. We're, we're perpetrating and launching conversations and starting topics of conversation that are then ricocheting and, and spreading out or not. And they certainly have an impact as far as what uh, the older sensibility of the Academy people are concerned. But uh, the critic who sits there and says, good movie, bad movie, that's just not relevant anymore. Right. What seems to be more relevant is advocacy. It's sort of tipped over yeah. into that into that realm. And, and, you know, you can find a lot of advocates for Great Gatsby. You know, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're going to say right. it's a good movie, but they're going to be advocating for it. Um, mm-hmm. I think what you do is different. You know, like I think you have your own niche. You know, you've, you've worked out Jeff, Jeff Wells, Hollywood Elsewhere as an original. It's just, it doesn't... I don't think it fits with because you kind of do everything. You, you report on politics. You talk about your personal life. You write reviews. You you know see movies. You do taste making stuff. You talk about the Oscars. Basically, you know, and and somebody like me, I couldn't really do that on my site. My site is very focused on one thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. I, I have no idea what that means ultimately. I don't even know where where the Oscar race is going. You know what the future of the Oscars is, or what the future of cinema is, for that matter. Now, so you know, it's it's just a it's an adapt or die situation on the internet. Or are we saying though that maybe critics matter uh, matter to a certain degree? They're not. You can't say. I think it's uh, just make a blanket statement like Brooks Barnes did. Um, it just means that that if people want to see something, they're going to want to see it, and and that's not a negotiable thing. They're going to see it. Isn't that, hasn't that always been the case? It, I mean, haven't people 
been routinely ignoring the critical consensus uh, for quite some time. No, I I don't. I I, I sort of agree with... um, I just want the listeners to know that all that peripheral noise you're hearing is not me, it's Jeff. (laughs) So in case you're going to get mad at somebody for all the, like, shuffling and rubbing and whatever noise you're hearing, it's not... Uh, it's not I'm, I'm making noises. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of noise. <laughs> but I'm sitting here. I'm not tapping on the computer. I don't know. Or I hear like your hands rubbing together and no, I'm not. I, I, I mean, here I'll rub my hands together. Can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Loud <laughs> and clear. <laughs> no. Um, okay. No, but you know when um, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, uh, Grizzly Man director. Um, Werner Herzog said that when Ebert died, that was it. You know, he said that on Charlie Rose. He said that's, you know, it's the end of an epoch uh, with Ebert dying. And I almost feel like with a big, huge voice like that, like Ebert's, Mm -hmm. as a a critical tastemaker, when he's gone, I mean, there is no one to really take his place that that appeals to so many people widely like that. Like the the mainstream 20-somethings on Twitter, they don't really follow critics they follow well, yeah. you know they follow people like katie rich on cinema blend or or alex on first showing or Devin, you know right, right. and those people are not they call themselves film critics and they write film reviews it's true but they're also in the fan business the the movie yeah. fandom and that's what's really taken over and that's what people tend to pay attention to um i find that less and less they want to hear anything critical about a movie it's more about you know um I don't know. Just it's just all sort of seems very fan driven to me nowadays. And you know, to a degree, it's like what what do forty something critics, you know, taste have to do with twenty somethings who are ticket buyers? You know. Well, it sure mattered to me when I was twenty something. I felt that um, I didn't know everything, but I and I and I felt that people that really knew uh, a world and were steeped in the in the culture and the history of it and could name directors from movies made in the '30s, just like that. I mean, they certainly had my attention. I mean, because yeah. uh, I wasn't as arrogant as, as to think that I couldn't learn anything and that I didn't want to hear what those guys said. I mean, I would make my own mind up and see junk if I wanted to see junk but i sure as hell listen to them well you didn't have the internet then you know and the critical voices were easier to find and they were louder and they mattered more um as i'm reading back through oscar history you can really see how critics especially in the 60s and 70s shaped the oscar debate um Uh a movie almost had always had to have um positive reviews from at least new york Mostly New York, but but later L.A. and more towards Uh the 70s, L.A. and New York mattered. Um, But they really did make a difference what a critic thought of a movie. And they were were intelligent, Uh um, educated people, experienced people who... who, um, What they thought mattered. I I don't know. We're kind of living in an age where anyone can do it now. Uh Everybody writes reviews. Everybody. Now, one more time, not to uh, just to press you and put you in the corner for a second. How is what has happened with The Great Gatsby this this past weekend? How is this different from what we, a, a very standard term, which we've been hearing at least since the 80s and certainly in the 90s, which is the critic-proof big movie? People want to see it. They don't care what the critics say. It's, they're going to go no matter what. You know, that's a phenomenon that we've known for about quite some time. How is this just not one of those? 
same old critic route. I mean, some movies are like that. They they, they travel, they uh, they elevate, they catch on. People want to see it. The, the your daughter and her friends on Tumblr, they want to see it. That's it. End of story. They don't why, even why, know about. Yeah. My daughter would never even know about the bad reviews unless I told her about them. It's like she's, it doesn't ever enter her consciousness that there that people are going to write and, or that those reviews would matter. That's how things dramatically things have changed. But, but she's also, your daughter. You're saying she doesn't even no. I told see, her see the critics and the uh, critical reviews or Metacritic rating in the peripheral side of her vision. She well, even she's like, been she's already been taught to discount what they say because they panned <clears throat> Cloud Atlas, and that remains one of her favorite movies of all time. So she's never going to really trust what critics think now after that. And, and in fact, when I told her that Great Gatsby was getting terrible reviews, she said, well, Cloud Atlas got terrible reviews, too. And I said, yeah, uh-huh. you're right, it did. Uh-huh. So she really wants to see Great Gatsby, and she'll decide for herself. Uh-huh. I think that's the difference. Box office and Oscar are totally different. Oscar is just still dependent, for the most part, on good reviews, although Les Mis won four Oscars. And it pretty much got panned by the critics. Uh-huh. So, you know... I mean, it's it's weird. It's almost like, I mean, do critics just not matter anymore at all? Well, you're, you don't want to say that, do you? I don't want to say it. I don't want to believe it's true. I've been clinging to the fact that they still do matter and that the... I'd like to. I know that stick in the mud critics who live in their own realm. But if you're part of a of a conversation and you're out there and you're exposing yourself and putting your putting your soul on the line and just trying to really grapple with with the uh, with the art of cinema and you know you, it's your life. It's what you live on a day to day. I can't. You can't tell me people that do that with passion and feeling. Um, you know, they, they, they say that they're irrelevant. I just can't. But set that. There's just too many people that are uh, that care about movies more than just you know a thing to do because I'm distracted because I feel like going with my friends. I mean, it's so lame to think of movies in that sense. You know, I mean, yeah, there's, I a, agree. There's, there's a degree of passion and, and, and almost kind of religious conviction. You know, if you really love movies. But what we don't seem to have anymore is hierarchy <laughs> in terms of opinion. I think mm-hmm. part of that is that everybody can write reviews now. If they don't have their own blog, they're writing reviews on on you know IMDb or you know wherever it is. They're, they've been cut their cut their teeth on this notion that their opinion matters. Mm-hmm. And if their opinion matters as much as A.O. Scott's opinion, why would they necessarily care what he thought about a movie? Because uh, he's a devout priest and they're a dilettante. Yeah, you'd think, but that's maybe the old way of thinking about it. Maybe we're entering a new phase where no one really has that anymore. Nobody has that kind of clout. Ebert mm-hmm. was probably the last one who did. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't really. I, I will still always look at at film criticism the same way, but. I was a little bit baffled, I have to say, about this Gatsby situation. Just because it didn't seem like the kind of movie that would be critic-proof. A critic-proof movie is, to me, a movie like Sherlock Holmes with Robert um, Downey Jr., that piece of shit movie. I mean, it <laughs> that should have bombed, right? But it didn't. Mm-hmm. And and because the, these movies are critic-proof, like you say, that the marketing is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hold it back just long enough so that you know the bad buzz doesn't really start. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there are still movies. It seems like littler movies that can be killed by bad reviews. Yeah, you know, little independence yeah. for sure. 
What little movie did your daughter uh, want to see? What movie that wasn't heavily marketed, that doesn't go right into her, her lap, but that, you know, she had to have a little keen interest in, in quality? I have to point her to those movies. The only movie she's said to me, talked to me about is Great Gatsby. It somehow managed to pass through uh, whatever things she's interested in to, to reach her. Yeah. So you're saying that do you think that she's probably representative of a pretty good swath of, 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 of teenagers and early 20s, your, your daughter's sensibilities? I mean, that sounds like she probably is. I mean, she's a pretty sharp, sharp lady. I mean, I don't know. Else? I can't really say that for sure. I know that I've, I've met a lot of her friends, and I was most baffled by her, 13, her 15-year-old friend, Mm-hmm. Um, this kid named Daniel, who is, you know, was actually hired to write kid reviews about movies and fancies himself a bit of a film snob. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was really upset that Dark Knight Rises didn't get any Oscar nominations. And, you know, he's he's tapped in. He's pretty smart. He seems like mm-hmm. he's kind of with it. But that kid, man, the movies he looks forward to the most are all the sequels, the superhero sequels. And it- <laughs> I asked him, I'm like, I said, doesn't it bother you that it's like Iron Man 3 and, you know, all these fucking things just returned out? And he's like, no, I can't wait to see those. I can't wait to see that. And I know, and he named them all, and they were all sequels. That's funny. I mean, he's just been marketed and branded to death. So, yeah. mm. and, and it's not going to matter to him what the critics say about those movies. He's going to go see them. He's completely bought the publicity 100%. Boy. I know. I don't know, man. I think that, that's the end of the world right there. <laughs> if that's what their big thing is, I mean, I don't know what to say. You're always going to find, really, you know, exceptions to the rule. You're always going to find some, one kid who's, like, you know, smarter than the rest, who actually gives a shit and cares about what critics say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's when the when the newspapers start firing critics, and they're, they're, it looks to me like they're devaluing them. And... How is anyone what, ever going to... What actually happened, do you believe, with the, with uh, AP and, and Christy Lemire and Dave Germain? They whacked them. They said, we're, we're going to cut you loose because you cost too much and we have to cut down the scale of our operation. Is they didn't say that. They both said they resigned. And she has been on mm-hmm. Twitter. She's not said anything like, you know, what Susan Wazina has been talking about with USA Today. She's, she's not saying, like, you know, I had to walk out of that job because I... They couldn't afford me anymore, and I don't really like the direction the newspaper's going in any way. Christy Lemire was more like, um, I'm still going to be writing film reviews. You know, she wasn't, it wasn't like she felt sad or she was saying goodbye. I have no idea what the backstory was. There's been no story about it. All I heard was that they both resigned um, as film critics. So it just seems like one, you know, the only major ones left are like, A.O. Scott, Manola Dargis, um, Andrew O'Hare at Salon. Is Kenneth Turan still even at the L.A. Times? Um, and Todd McCarthy still going? Uh, it just seems like we're, we're losing the, the major outlet critics. All right. No. Well. And, uh, and in their place are people like, you know, Neil Young and Guy Lodge, you know, young, mm-hmm. self-made film critics. And you know you can say, well, they're more tapped into the younger generation, or they, um, they, their sensibilities match more the younger generation. And maybe it's it's just an idea of a generational shift and, and taking the old. But to me, I feel like the older you get, the smarter you get, and the more wisdom you have to impart. 
Yep. So it, it makes less sense for me to read a review from a young critic. I really don't care what they have to say. I'm sorry. But yeah, <laughs> I'd yeah. much rather read something from somebody seasoned with experience, you know. And you can certainly acquire a good amount of it. And if you have at least some kind of devotion that you're, uh, that you're giving to the art, if you really are a believer, you really care. It matters to you a whole lot. I really want to know that person. I want to read them. But I do not want to read uh, a person who, whose big passion is for the superhero sequels and, and the fantasy comic book stuff. That's, that's pathetic. I mean, but that's they don't seem to now. have a difference. Like when, when Iron Man 3 was coming out, I just kept reading all these critics writing reviews about it on, yeah. uh, and there were their links, and I was just thinking, wow, this is what it's come down to, you know, sitting there having to intellectualize Iron Man three, yeah, you know, Iron Man three. That sentence alone, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is the world coming to? But that's what it's coming to. It's this prolonged childhood, you know, where 13-year-old boys stay 13 for the rest of their lives, you know. They never have to grow old because Hollywood keeps catering to that sensibility. Uh-huh. I want to, um, I just want to know people who care a lot. I don't want to know people who kind of coast along and are kind of check-in, uh, AD, uh, where, they're, where they're heading in terms of their, their, their latest Tumblr post. Uh, you know, there's got to be some conviction in life. you got to care. you got to really mean it. You know, it's got to be... You know, there has to be emphasis. There has to be real, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, yeah. uh, I just can't, that's, that's what I want to have in, 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 in our life, communally. I want to have our country about people that really care about stuff. I don't care if people hate movies or they don't care about them, but I they care about something and they really put their, this feeling that I got when I was asked to, um, attend, uh, to talk to my son Jet's journalism class in high school when I, and I uh, thought, well, okay, you know, I know how this is going to go. There's going to be maybe three kids, maybe four at the most out of 30 who are going to, like, uh, <clears throat> you know, get what I'm trying to do with this column and what online journalism is now. And, and uh, But most of them will be dilettantes. Well, I got there, and there was, like, nobody who cared. You know, everybody was like, uh-huh, you know. <laughs> I said, has anybody ever, you know, like, fool around with the blog themselves, maybe start their own thing? And the, the, the blankness, the, 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 the lack of any passion at all from these people, and they're in a damn journalism class. I guess they did it because it was easy, because it seemed like a less trying way to spend their afternoons. I don't know. Wow. So that's, that's really bad. That's, that really, it's, not, it's not what you think. It's, it's the lack of feeling. So. Yeah, disconnected, apath- apathetic. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know, and but there are still so many new writers who do care, and I hope that they they make their way to the forefront. Yeah. I mean, I would really like it if there was a t- you know still a hierarchy of taste, at least so mm-hmm. that um, you could know the difference between good and bad. I mean, you know yourself what you like and what you don't like. But if if there was no hierarchy in taste, you know, there wouldn't be paintings that were worth a million dollars, you know, or uh-huh. twenty five right. million dollars. That that is entirely mm-hmm. to do with perception. Mm-hmm. And so, so you, you you'll notice that you didn't say that your daughter and her friends that they're they're that they responded to anything other than the big movies. So that in itself does that that doesn't. I mean, I'd, I'd respect those guys if they had feelings that uh for this or that curious little weird film some maybe maybe some filmmaker or some shorts they saw on vimeo or youtube is anything you know anything that's getting to them but Not you're saying yet, that they're anyway. just responding to marketing is what you're absolutely 
marketing has they've figured it out they've figured it mm-hmm. out um they, they give the people what they want right uh, you know like fast food that there is no i mean i maybe when they get older in their 20s they'll they'll reject all of that and they'll they'll turn back to the to the smaller more interesting movies i have mm-hmm. no idea what what the what lies ahead i, I can mm-hmm. only tell you what i see right now and my daughter is not really a typical example because she's not into movies. You know, she's into um, other right. things, comic books and, you know, she likes some movies, but she's not a movie kid. You know, there are movie mm-hmm. kids that know everything. It's just that a lot of the kind of adult movies are, you know, they're too far ahead for, for most kids growing up. But whereas movies like Iron Man 3 kind of plays across the board to everybody you know and so you're never going to get left behind watching that movie you're going to get it you say that most movies are too complex Complex, and they don't address where kids are living these days just saying maybe i don't know it's a good question that's a really good question it's a good way to put it all i know is that things were different in the 70s i can tell you that for sure Mm -hmm. things were very different people thought of movies differently uh, they were more. The public was more actively engaged, actively involved in what meant what me what what a good film was versus a bad film. Um, I can't really tell you what people think now. I'm, so John know. Houston said this. Uh, Owen Wilson said this once to me in a conversation. I completely agree that if you have a driving curiosity, uh, you don't need an elegant education. You certainly don't need a hundred thousand dollar debt from Harvard University. You you've got the basis for for an elegant education that you're going to continue to do all your life. And if you can't muster that enthusiasm for knowledge and for experience and wanting to learn and you know get into stuff. It's that smugness. It's like, you know, okay, man, I'm cool. You know, let me just, I, I got, you know, I'm tweeting away. I'm, I'm, I'm texting my friends, you know. It's, it's staying in your own little damn bubble. I just hate that. I hate that that is a, a factor in our culture now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see how it Maybe? Maybe? Yeah. Well, I think for well, some think people. Okay to do that? Well, I think it's, it's easy to fall into the trap that what you see on Twitter is the reality, and it's not really. I mean, you and I are witnessing a very specific kind of person when we're on Twitter, you know, and that's a that's an Internet person. But but there is there are people, believe it or not, who aren't so plugged in uh-huh. um, to that kind of indoor experience. Uh-huh. Well, can you tell me amongst not just to get back, we'll, we'll wrap this up soon. Getting back to can. uh was there any of the competition films that I mentioned that you feel I, I, I'm missing something that I should definitely include besides the ones that I've mentioned? Because I don't want to be derelict here, and I certainly don't want to blow off the interesting thing. And that always happens, Sasha. Every time I go to Sundance, Japan, <laughs> I always say, well, familiar names. I know this person's good. And so I go to them, but there's always that one or two movies that come along. People are like, wow, that's it. You know, you I have know. to see this. And it's always you know? like Guy Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, you are like ten times more connected and hooked in and educated about that stuff than I am, dude. I mean, you didn't mention you have you didn't leave out anything that I thought I was burning. Oh, what about As I Lay Dying, James Franco? What do you think about that? I have that down along with, uh, under in certain regard, along with Sofia Coppola's uh, Bling Ring, mm-hmm. along with uh, Fruitvale Station. And um, uh, Claire Denis film Bastards because I respect her. Um, the the film My Sweet Pepperlin. I was told that I should probably check it out. Uh, Hina Salim is the director. 
and then um, the non three non competitions uh, apart from Great Caspi are, as I already mentioned to you, the J.C. Shandor's All Is Lost. <clears throat> That's a kind of a solitary uh, survivalist thing with Robert right. Redford. That sounds trippy. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Guillaume Canet's Blood Ties, and then Claude Landsman, the director of The Sorrow of the Pity, has a film called uh, The Last of uh, The Last Injustice. That sounds uh, like you can't you can't ignore that. I hope yeah. it's not four hours, but uh, well, another one I would mention is is um, Omar, that movie Omar by Hani Abu Assad. That looks really really good. Why do you say that in particular? What have you I just remember you... from when I was doing the background, that was one of the names that I didn't know anything about, and I ended up looking it up and thinking, wow, that's really good. There are a couple of those. Um, okay. Let me see if I can find the other one I wanted to tell you about. It's mm-hmm. got like a huge fall fo- Again, talk about Tumblr, but this director has a huge following on, on Tumblr. Um, he has a huge following on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I, I don't think, yeah, I thought it was in competition, but maybe not. He was. Have you signed up to Tumblr? I do. I have a Tumblr, but I don't really commit to it. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in there, but. Um, How do you know that person A or person B has a huge following? How do you calibrate or, de- or, or determine that by, is there a search have, engine? Is there yeah. some sort of chart or something that they have? How do you know? No, you just look at who you look at how many followers they have, and they've you know, I only okay. have like probably at the most two hundred or something. Most people have them in the thousands, and they don't have a limit on how many followers mm-hmm. you have. I don't think. Um, right. How about Valeria Golino made a movie? She she did one. It's in the. Um, and she's been an, uh, an Italian actress. Uh, in the in the mainstream of Italian cinema since at least what the mid eighties. Yeah, uh, she was in um, Rain Man. Yeah, that was like what year was that? Can't remember now. Me, there's like eighty eight maybe or something. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. So uh, yeah, and she was in. Um, so anyway, so oh, she's it's, the director. It's this one. It's, it's like Father yeah. Like Son okay. by C O R E E D A Hirokazu. Okay. It looks like it's going to be really great. All right. So don't miss that. Actually, basically see every movie in competition. (laughs) And under what category is that film you just mentioned? It's in the competition, the main competition. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And where is Valeria Golino's film? Is that in competition also? Uncertain Regard, yeah. She's... Okay. Me... How do you pronounce it? M-I-E-L-E? Mele? 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 I don't know. Don't ask me to speak French. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like the um, uh, the German um, uh, vacuum cleaner. M e i l e. It do does. You, do it you... does. M e i e l e. Okay. By Va- Valeria Golino. So okay. she's heading into directing. That's cool. Then there's a, uh, a Stephen Frears film called Muhammad Ali's Greatest Fight. There's a mm. Roman Polanski documentary called Weekend of a Champion. Too many films. I don't know you how know. we're going to fit them all in. It's surreal. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've only gone as my fourth year, I think, and I've never seen such a great lineup as this year. Yeah, it's really wonderful. It's really going to be just like, I don't, I, I, I don't see how I'm going to have time, you know. I wanted to uh, read you something really, everything. I want to read you something funny that I read in this book, Inside Oscar, yesterday about Warren Beatty. Okay. As we close it out. Um he was once, the year that he did Heaven Can Wait, he was on the cover of Time. Um, and it's the headline was Mr. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Because he got all that this. Back, 
78 or something, right? Around 78. The time yeah, and he mm-hmm. got all those nominations for Heaven Can Wait. And that movie only ended up winning art direction. But mm-hmm. he did get a lot of nominations. And, and Frank Rich wrote this this little paragraph about him. And it says, He is a millionaire many times over, but lives in two small, slovenly kept hotel rooms. He travels with the fastest crowd in the country, but rarely drinks and never snorts or smokes. He is uh-huh. offered the best jobs in the profession, but turns down, but turns them down. His idea of sin is to eat ice cream. His idea of a great time is to talk on the phone. His idea of heaven is to spend hours debating the pros and cons of Proposition 13. <laughs> he wears dirty jeans three days in a row, chews vitamin pills, and remembers everything. He makes coast-to-coast plane reservations for six, um, for six consecutive flights, then misses all of them. <laughs> and then funny. it says almost the only appurtenance consonant with his celebrity is an address book don juan would envy <laughs> so, i thought you'd like that it reminded me a little of you actually that paragraph That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> it's very jeff wells like but so well, i'll tell you when you when the drinking stops every a lot of things start to change it just keeps changing you know if i could say for the first time in my life, and it's for a long time, it does feel different, and it doesn't just like change in you know, one way, and that's it. It keeps changing. It, it affects mm. diet. It affects uh, certainly affects uh, you know downtime. What do you do with your time when you don't want to go to a bar and get half bombed and have a nice time with friends? You know, everything changes. It's really. Yeah. Uh, even though you didn't really drink that much when you were a drinker. Uh, I didn't drink that much, but there was always the thing of <clears throat> going to a party. I was always looking forward to the pleasant bath, the pleasant kind of like being on a raft and being lifted up a little bit by that warm feeling of, mm. of a little wine alcohol coursing through your system. And that nice kind of, you know, it, it relaxes you in a way that... Uh, that uh, you know, it just—it's—it's it's pleasant. It's always—it's always been pleasant, and it's always uh, a nice feeling. So, yeah, I hear that. Yeah. And uh, you have your—you—you like—you enjoy a glass of red wine. I like now. my glass of wine. No, <laughs> I found that as I'm getting older, I'm, my body doesn't seem to tolerate it so well. Like it always gives me a headache, and you know, every once in a while, I have one, but. I tend to regret it because it does it does for some reason give me the um both red and white mm-hmm. but I could see I love red wine so much that I could see how how a person could slip into an addictive pattern with that you know like really good red wine is really easy to drink uh, a fellow journalist who decided to to uh, stop drinking recently he said that he had talked to a doctor and the doctor said to him that in your teens and 20s, it's like it's like your life is a six-lane highway. You can drive in any lane you want. You can go slow. You can go to the fast lane. You can zoom all over that highway, you know, any, any lane that suits you. Hmm. And when you get into your 30s, it's down to like maybe four lanes because, you know, you have to be a little, you know, take it. And you get a little older and then it's three lanes. And by the time you hit your 50s, 60s, it's like one lane. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not the carpool lane either. (laughs) The leeway, the freedom to, you know, get really plastered one night and recover, you know, that's gone. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Everything about growing older is, is strange. It's surreal. Well, 
as long as the bad stuff doesn't stay with you and you get rid of it, it's, it feels great. It's most the most liberating liberating time I've had in my life. I feel wonderful. So that's good. That's really yeah. good to hear. Yeah. Well, listen, I can't wait to see you. I'm sure I'll yeah. see you around. I'm sorry you're not going to make the thing, but if you get in, it's actually going to touch down at 7 p.m. You're saying mm. your your Zurich flight six. Oh, well, then you could conceivably be there by 8 or 8.30. Why don't you try and fall by? I will. Are you going to have a phone there when you're there? I will definitely have my cell phone. Just your regular phone? You're not renting a a phone? No, because I I pay the year-round AT&T International rate. Oh, great. Okay. All righty. Well, I'll text you when I get in and see what's up. So as it turned out, we didn't really talk that much about Cam. We talked about... (laughs) The end of criticism, how the, uh, <laughs> how your daughter and her generation are ruining our life. And, uh, <laughs> so <they> forget yeah. <laughs> it. They're not even actively ruining it. They're just not knowing about That's, it. But. Yeah. But I'm hoping that maybe somewhere along the line she'll have a teacher who will teach her the power of critical thinking and what it means to be a critic. And and I right. hope that at that time there are some still some you know critics worth reading in that regard mm-hmm. where I can point to it and I can say well look at what this person said but but we yeah. don't we no longer live in an era where all mm-hmm. heads turn to see what Pauline Kael thought about a movie that's true that's gone I I, I accept that and I understand that you're right you're maybe right. the la- I think the last person that was yeah. had that power was Ebert yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, lovely to talk to you. See you on Tuesday. All right, darling. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. So as it turned out, we didn't really talk that much about Cam. We talked about <laughs> the end of criticism, how the, uh, <laughs> how your daughter and her generation are ruining our life. And, uh, <laughs> so forget <yeah>. it. <laughs> They're not even actively ruining it. They're just not knowing about That's, it. But. Yeah. But I'm hoping that maybe somewhere along the line she'll have a teacher who will teach her the power of critical thinking and what it means to be a critic. And and I right. hope that at that time there are some still some you know critics worth reading in that regard mm-hmm. where I can point to it and I can say, well, look at what this person said. But but we yeah. don't we no longer live in an era where all mm-hmm. heads turn to see what Pauline Kael thought about a movie. That's true. That's gone. I I, I accept that and I understand that. You're right. You're Maybe right. the la- I think the last person that was yeah. had that power was Ebert. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, lovely to talk to you. See you on Tuesday. All right, darling. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye.